might as well is an audio gallery that showcases the rejection of the binary frailties of good and evil in favor of truth told via comically allegorical jeremiads. In other words, Hasehamaumo. and touch him and his family i will touch me touch me touch me i will touch, touch you i'm not stoking tea my nigga i'll threat. put your teeth in your mouth touch the same me. way i'll put my dick in your wife's mouth now keep playing with some real niggas keep playing with some real niggas keep playing keep playing because you're gonna because when i when i reach out and i say to you nota this is block boy east they will Welcome to Might As Well. Bitch, buckle up. This is not NPR. So without further ado, the great Maui Ma. He tried. He tried to save this godforsaken country. And bruv, we didn't give him a chance. Right? We didn't listen to him. Instead, we listened to Julius Malema. We played ourselves. We fucked ourselves. Now look at me. And I'm chilling in the dark. <laughs> I'm young. I'm black. And I'm chilling in the dark with a fucking toothbrush in my hand. Bruh, what the fuck is this about? Huh? Why the fuck do I have a toothbrush in my hand? And bruh, whose toothbrush is this? I'm losing my fucking mind. Bruh, hey, my toothbrush is an electric toothbrush. Okay? I charge my fucking toothbrush. Bruh, hey, this toothbrush ain't electric. Whose brush is this? I don't know. But bruv, it looks new. Right? It looks fresh. It's purple and blue, bruh. Hey, I'm losing my fucking mind. Is this fucking real? Or is it... Is it a fucking figment of my imagination? What's going on in South Africa? There will never, never, never be blood shedding again. South Africa is a fucking mess, but I love it though. I agree. <laughs> I agree with the artificial intelligence. I agree with the robo bitch. South Africa is a fucking mess, but I love it though. I really do. Right? I'm South African, but above it all, I'm an African. I owe my being to all of these fucking load shedding stages. Bruv, hey, I'm an African. I love my continent and I love my country, South Africa, even though South Africa doesn't fuck with me. South Africa doesn't love me back, but I love it though. Right? Bruv, every young person in South Africa has a love-hate relationship with South A. Bruv, hey, hey, we are in an abusive relationship with this fucking country, bruv. We love this country, but this country keeps on disappointing us. Let's keep it a buck. 
right? This country doesn't fuck with us, bruv. Hey, I'm losing my mind. Okay? I'm recording this in the dark. <laughs> bruv. Hey, I have a toothbrush in hand. I already told you this. Bruv, this brush has the word Sensodyne on it. <laughs> bruv. Hey, hey, I'm from a Colgate family. Okay? My nigga, listen. Hey, we don't have sensitive teeth, my nigga. Nah. Nah. Hey, bruv. Hey, give me cold water. And watch me, watch me gobble that shit up. Give me, hey, bruv, give me a glass of cold water. And watch me gobble that shit up. Better. My car fast, my drip better, my clothes fit better, my hoes better, my tattoos better. I'm stronger than you, my bitch thicker than yours, my guns bigger than yours, nigga, my guns bigger than yours. I talk better than you, I hustle better, I can get a dollar quicker than you. I talk better, I walk better, my shoes fit me better, I get paid more than you. <laughs> of course, I'm better. <laughs> hey, bruv, hey, I'm better than you. Dish, what a dish, bruv, my teeth, salubrious. My tongue, salubrious. My gums, salubrious, bruv. Hey, I still have all of my teeth. Okay, bruv? Hey, fam, I don't have sensitive teeth, my nigga. I'm from a Colgate family. Now, why the fuck? Why the fuck do I have a Sensodyne toothbrush? And this shit, this shit is not even battery powered. Hey, hey, do better. Okay? If your toothbrush is not battery powered, my nigga, do better. If your toothbrush doesn't have lithium ion batteries, my nigga, listen, do better. Do better. Right? Improve your life. Improve your standard of living. That's what it is. Bruh, do better. And tell me, whose toothbrush is this? And why the fuck did I find it in my stuff? Huh? Bruv, hey, is this it? Huh? Is this it? Is this Earth 838? Bruh, hey, have I officially entered the multiverse? Huh? The multiverse of madness? Bruh, is this it? Am I losing my fucking mind? I'm recording in the dark with a fucking toothbrush in hand. A manual toothbrush, bruh. Hey, who still uses their own energy to brush their teeth? Do better. Do better. Bruv, hey, hey, my electric toothbrush is, is an Oral-B toothbrush. Now why the fuck do I have a manual Sensodyne toothbrush? In my hand. Bruh. Hey. Hey. Hey, South Africa is hell on earth. Okay? This country, <laughs> this country, this country <laughs> has us in the pits. Hey, bruh. Hey, these are the pits. Okay? Bruh, I saw niggas talking about 
stage six, <laughs> load shedding. And I was like, bro, wait, what? Niggas were talking about stage six. Niggas were talking about electricity bouncing for four plus hours. Bruv, hey, when I saw that, I was like, hey, we should have just, we should have just let Umsholozi do it. How about that? We should have just let Jacob Zuma sell this fucking country to the Russians. We should have. Because back in the days, Jacob Zuma was out here talking about nuclear power. Do y'all remember that? Do y'all remember when Jacob Zuma said he would love for South Africa to be nuclear powered? And they were talking about the Russians building nuclear power plants in South Africa. Do y'all remember that? Huh? Bruh, hey, hey, what happened? <laughs> Bruh, hey, what happened? Pilindaba was once the place where South Africa's atomic bombs of the 1970s were developed, constructed and stored. Today, nuclear science is used for other purposes, and that's why the country is the world's biggest exporter of nuclear medicine products, some of which treat cancer. President Zuma visited the facility to reaffirm his commitment to nuclear development. I realize that even the leadership of government needs to pay a visit here because it will help shape our thinking about how do we solve other problems of the country, which if we don't have the knowledge, <clears throat> we might not take the right decisions. And with our current electricity supply crisis, President Zuma believes nuclear energy is the future, despite the high cost of development. The Pelindaba visit comes a day after four countries presented their nuclear plans to government. China, France, South Korea and the USA all showcased how they believe they could help South Africa produce 9,600 megawatts of nuclear power. Zuma also says that those opposed to the building of nuclear power stations need to be shown the light. I think we've not done enough to expose them. Now if they are not aware, they are going to do the kind of thing they're doing. For an example, they might even take decisions to delay the progress because they don't know. I think the, the fault is with us. We have not exposed people enough. And that's a matter I'm going to be discussing with the people here as to how do we make the world know what useful <clears throat> nuclear is from a medicinal point of view to energy. Critics insist that the Department of Energy is wrong to prioritize nuclear energy and should be looking elsewhere. Analysts say the cost of nuclear power could run into trillions of rand. But the president remains confident that the country is looking in the right direction. Johannesburg. Bruv, hey, Jacob Zuma said, hey, South Africa, let's partner with the Russians. Let's build nuclear power plants. Bruv, I want to know what happened. Huh? What happened after Jacob Zuma said that? What happened? <laughs> Bruh. Hey, what happened? Hmm? As I brush my beard with this fucking toothbrush. Bruv, hey, what happened? Hey, bruv, the bristles are soft. Bruv, hey, what happened? This shit feels good on my skin. What happened?
What happened? Huh? Everybody, everybody was up in arms. Right? Niggas were pissed off. Right? Hey, bruv, hey, the EFF were like, hey, Zuma must go. Do y'all remember that? Do y'all remember that, bruv? Hey, we should have just let him do it. Right? He tried. Jacob Zuma tried. Right? He tried. And bruv, we did not listen. He tried to solve our fucking electricity problem. He tried. He tried. He tried to solve our power struggles. He tried. He tried. And listen, bruv, listen. I am not a fan of Jacob Zuma. Okay? I'm not a fan. However, he tried. He tried. Now look at us. Right? It's 2022. <laughs> and one of South Africa's best comedians is out here recording with a toothbrush in his hand. I'm losing my fucking mind. Okay? I'm recording in the dark. We don't have electricity in the East Rand. Bruh, hey, pray for us. Yes. Jesus Christ, Lord. Yes, sir. Hallelujah, Yes, We don't want no devils in the house, Yes, We want the Lord. Yes, Jesus. Dear Eskom, I'm mourning. Okay? My family is grieving. Okay, bro? I'm mourning, fam, and I need electricity. I need electricity to take away my blues. Bruv, I buried my grandmother yesterday. Okay, bruv, we are grieving over here. We need to watch the Umbrella Academy to brighten our dark days. Okay, but bruv, hey, we can't do that. Right? We can't do that. <laughs> because... We don't have electricity. Right? We don't have electricity. All day or dead day. We ain't got the electricity. For four hours. Right? Every day. We don't have electricity in South Africa. Eskom, please. Hey, hey, bruv. Hey, work with me. Okay? Work with the boy. Fam, hey. Hey, I need electricity okay electricity is the only thing that can help me cope right electricity and this fucking podcast of course this shit right here is cathartic this is my therapy this is all i got right all i got is this fucking podcast and netflix right that's all i got all I got is talking shit, cracking jokes, and Disney Plus. Right? Apple TV Plus and, and, and Amazon Prime Video. That's all I got. Right? And sprinkle some YouTube on that.
YouTube premium. Of course. Bruh, hey, I'm mourning. Huh, I'm not dumb. Okay, bruv? Hey, hey, I'm sad. I am not a fucking cheapskate, bruv. Hey, it's YouTube premium or nothing. I ain't about to sit there and watch a bunch of ads before checking out a video about Ukraine, nigga. We ain't doing that. Okay? I want to see what's happening in Ukraine. Right? I want to see lifeless bodies in Ukraine. I'm all about that dark shit. Legit. Okay, bruv. I want to see dark shit. I want to see buildings getting blown up. Okay, bruv. I want to see people getting shot. And, bruv, I'm not about to watch an ad about Kellogg's cornflakes or Climora. Oh, it's not inside. Where the fuck is it then? I'm pissed off. Escom, please. Please. Work with us. Okay? Work with us. Niggas are freaking out. Motherfuckers are talking about stage six load shedding. Bruh, hey, hey, stage six is set to give small businesses around 3.5 productive hours a day. Fam, hey, I'm a small business. Maui Mau is a business. These motherfuckers only want to give me 3.5 Working hours a day, bruh. Hey, 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 I need all of my hours. Okay, bruv, I need, I need all 24. I wish I understood, I wish I understood time a little bit more, um, the value of it. If I could go back, I, I think I would just really try to encourage myself to, to, for my expectations of myself to be in alignment with my effort in time, you know? Like, I think we have high expectations. For, yeah, I'm about to get straight A's, I gotta get whatever. But then, like, our effort isn't always in alignment with, with the desired destination, you know? And I think I had to learn that the hard way. Mm -hmm. I think I wasted a lot of time just kind of, like, chasing girls or, like, to have that was when I could have been, I needed to be about chasing me. Like, I needed to chase this gotta value yourself and just know that there's nobody here that is more valuable than you like they're just not I'm a businessman with a business plan I'm gonna make you money in business land I'm a cool guy talking about GameStop I'm definitely not a cop Why'd you say you're not a cop? Because I'm not I think that you're a cop I also think that you're a cop Now listen boys, you better both stop Or I'll have you arrested I'm not a cop I'm a businessman with a business tan I spend my days in a big black unmarked van If you wanna talk turkey, I'm here to talk shop I'm definitely not a cop You're a motherfucking cop I can tell from the way that you stand And you said that you worked in an unmarked well, listen, boys, I'm not a cop. I'm a businessman in a coffee shop with a loaded pistol and a bulletproof vest. I saw my wife get killed by the drug cartel. I'm not a cop. Fam, hey, I'm not a business brav. No. I'm a business, bruv, <laughs> okay, hey, I'm not a business, bruv, no, I'm a business, uh, bruv, that's me, 
Fam, I need all of my 24 hours. Legit, bruv. Hey, you can't run Maui Mau LTD on 3.5 productive hours a day. Nah. It ain't gonna work. <laughs> bruh, hey, it's not gonna work. One episode of my Hey, hey, bruh, my episodes are three hours minimum. My episodes are three hours long minimum. The fuck are we talking about? I need more than 3.5. Legit. I need more than 3.5 hours a day, my nigga. I'm a business, bruv. No, hey, no. Uh, uh, I'm a business. Uh. <laughs> bruv. That's me. I'm not a business, bruv. No, hey, nigga, listen. I'm a business. <gasps> Bruv, okay, Escom, Escom, you niggas are fucking up, <laughs> okay, hey, you niggas are fucking up, you niggas, you niggas are playing around, <laughs> bruh, do y'all remember when uh, it was revealed to South Africa that Escom has implemented a Tetris type setup over there, motherfuckers, hey, hey, Niggas were playing Tetris with South Africa's power grid. Do y'all remember that? Huh? These niggas, these niggas are not just playing around. No, no, no. They are literally playing around. Okay? They're not just figuratively playing around. No. My nigga, hey, they are literally playing around. Bruv, I'm mourning. Fuck. Okay, bruv, I'm mourning. I just laid my grandmother to rest. Rest in peace, my nigga. Like, fuck, man. Like, hey, I need electricity. Bruh, my Nintendo Switch is off. Fuck. Right? I can't play, I can't play Pokemon. My shit is off. Bruh, hey, my Playstations, yeah, plural. Playstations, yes. I got, hey, I got two games, what it is. I can't play FIFA, my shit is off! I can't play No Man's Sky, my shit is off! Energy experts in South Africa have expressed shock at the government's announcement that it wants to install new nuclear capacity in order to solve the country's power problems. The Department of Mineral Resources and Energy said on Friday last week that it plans to put out the tender by March next year. This came after South Africa's national energy regulator approved the procurement of 2,500 megawatts of nuclear power. Professor Anton Eberhard of the Power Futures Lab at the University of Cape Town was quoted in local media as saying that the new nuclear procurement would be a wasteful and costly diversion. Also, energy advisor for the Organization on Doing Tax Abuse, Liz McDyde, said it was suspicious to keep pushing nuclear instead of doing the obvious thing, which is renewable energy. In 2017, a South African court declared a controversial nuclear procurement widely expected to be awarded to Russia unlawful because there had been no public consultation. Everything is off. Bruv, the dogs are wilding. Listen to that. They're fucking wilding because it's dark outside. Okay? The fucking street lights are off. <laughs> it's spooky outside. Everything is off. <laughs> we are in the dark well wait wait that's a lie that's a lie okay of course not everything everything is off 
Right? I'm still able to record this shit. Right? So for one, all of my phones are on. <laughs> right? My iPhones are on. Well, plural. You know? My iPhones are on. My fucking lantern is on. Right? My iPad is on. And on top of that, I have a fucking 20,000 milliampere huh, power bank. That's what it is. Get on me, man. Get on me. I'm ready. However, however, Escom, Escom, hey, hey, my life shouldn't be like this. That's all I'm saying. Okay? I have a bunch of technology, but bro, hey, my life shouldn't be like this. Okay, bruv? I'm out here buying power banks for who? For what? Bruh, the house has power banks everywhere. Bruh, we got what? What, three power banks in the crib? Bruh, why? Why do I need power banks in the fucking house? Huh, Eskom? Bruh, hey, South Africa, we are fucked. That's all I'm saying. Okay, bruh, we are fucked, and of course I'm mourning. Fuck, <laughs> yeah, yeah. morning right even though a couple of hours ago I was out here watching hero gasm and I'm morning I was out here watching the boys bruh hey I'm morning I had to watch a bunch of fucking superheroes right hook up in a fucking orgy it is what it is I'm morning I'm morning right I need something to fucking stimulate me sexually I'm morning Bruh, hey, that's how grieving works. Right? You grieve, you get hard, you bust a nut, you sleep. That's how it works. Right? And then you wake up, you cry, you're all sad, and you get hard again. And then you bust a nut, and then you sleep again. That's how it works. I'm mourning. Fuck, man. Fuck, bruh. Hey, hey, I buried my grandmother yesterday, bruv. She's gone. Mama! Yeah. And of course, of course, we call our grandmother Mama. Why? Because when our mothers had us, <laughs> they were kids themselves. Bruh, I legit grew up thinking that my mom was my big sister. Fam, hey, these are facts! These are facts. My mother's turning what? What, 47? This year, bruh, hey, these are facts! I'm just saying, okay? My mother is 17 years older than the boy, bruh. Hey, I grew up looking at her like, hey, the fuck is wrong with this bitch? <laughs> and then a couple of years later, they were like, hey, hey, Maui, uh, FYI, that's your mom. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, 
They're like, hey, that's your mom. And the person you've been calling mama for the past 13 years is actually your grandmother. And I was like, holy fucking shit. I started doing the mathematics. I started doing the math. Right? I started moving like Einstein. Like, wait, wait, what? Huh? I was like, whoa, hey, balance me. Right? I started talking about gravity. I started doing mathematics in a vacuum. Balance the boy. What's heavier in a vacuum? A brick or feather, bruh. Hey, balance me. Balance the boy. These are all fucking facts. I'm mourning. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm mourning in the dark. Okay, bro. Hey, fam. Hey, hey. A fucking gray cloud is currently hovering above my fucking family. We are all mourning. We are grieving. We need electricity. Jebrov, I want to watch Date My Family. Okay, bro. Hey, hey, I want to move like all of you fucking losers out there, bro. Hey, listen, I want to watch some dumb TV. Can a nigga just... Huh, bro? Can a genius just watch some dumb TV once in a while? Can I just... Can I just in J? J-U-S-T. Netful Condor. What the fuck? Fuck, man. <laughs> huh? Not for for him. Fuck it, fuck. Not for, not for food free. Fucking fucking fuck. Can I just? My grandmother knew that I was a fucking lunatic. Justin J, Justin J, J-U-S-T, not for control, for no fucking reason at all, Justin J. My granny knew that Maui Mao is special. She knew, bruv, she called it early, when I was yay high, right? When I was goo-goo-goggering all over the fucking place, she called it. She said, hey, hey, this kid is special. This kid is different. This kid is a fucking animal. And I was like, cuckoo, gaga, yas. Yas. You're right. Right? She was like, this kid is a beast. I was like, cuckoo, you're right. You're right. Rest in peace to my granny, bruv. R.I.P. All fucking facts, bruv. Right? All I spit is facts. Escom. Escom. Hey, hey, I'm sitting here with a fucking Sensodyne toothbrush in my hand. What does this mean? Huh? Like, bro, hey, what's the meaning of this brush? Bro, yo, listen, hey, hey, we all know how it goes. Right? When somebody dies in your family, you, you know, you start searching for meaning. Like, bro, yeah, what does, you know, what does, what does the cloud mean? Right? I'd be out here just uploading my shit on iCloud. Like, hey, what does what does the Apple iCloud mean? The Jeb bruv, I'd be out here trying to figure shit out. Like, bro, hey, what does all of this shit mean? Bro, I'm looking at a fucking Ash and Pikachu figurine. What does it mean? Fam, hey, I have an Ash Ketchum. 
okay? Okay, okay, figurine with, with Pikachu on his shoulder, right? With his arm stretching out, his right arm stretching out with a fucking Pokeball in hand. I'd be like, bruh, hey, what does this mean? Huh? And bruh, which Pokemon is he choosing, bruh? I'm just, hey, I'm questioning the world. I have a fucking toothbrush in the palm of my hands. What the fuck does this mean? I wanna be the very best Like no one ever was To catch them is my real test To train them is my cause I will travel across the land Searching far and wide Each Pokemon to understand The power that's inside Like, bruv, have I officially entered the multiverse of toothbrushes? Where, in the land of electric toothbrushes, the man with the manual toothbrush is king? Am I king? Like, bruh, is this it? Huh? Maui Mao in the multiverse of toothbrushes. Is this it? Is this it, bruh? What the fuck does this mean? Am I about to clean the world? Huh? And rid this fucking planet of all evil. Rid this fucking planet of climate change and fossil fuels. Bruh, hey, what the fuck does this mean? What the fuck am I gonna scrub? Huh? A pair of Nikes? Huh? A pair of EXO royalties? Bruh, what the fuck am I gonna scrub with this shit? What am I supposed to do with this fucking brush? Am I supposed to continue brushing my fucking beard? I'm confused. Huh? I'm confused. Am I supposed to fucking brush my eyebrows like a fucking bitch? Of course. <laughs> right? Of course. Only bitches brush their fucking eyebrows. Of course. Okay? And by bitches I mean metrosexual man. Of course. Oh, hey, wait, hey, wait. Obviously. Uh-huh. 
Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. What the fuck am I supposed to do with this fucking brush? I'm confused. Okay, I'm confused. Because, because I'm stuck in the fucking dark. Even though I'm not totally in the fucking dark, you know. Comedic hyperbole, you know what I mean? Like I said all that shit for comedic hyperbole. Oh, I'm in the dark, oh, you know, I'm lost in the fucking sauce. I can't see anything, you know. It's just me exaggerating. For comedic effect, of course. Oh, I'm in the dark. Oh, shit, I can't see anything. Oh, my God. Yo, Escom, oh, stage six. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, everything is off. Not really. <laughs> hey, I got Wi-Fi. So, so, hey, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> okay. However, however, I'm just a vessel for everybody else. I'm just a mouthpiece for everybody else. Hey, I'm just a voice <laughs> for the voiceless. For the voiceless, kakate. <laughs> hey, bruv. Hey, I'm just a fucking voice for the voiceless. This what it is. Okay? Okay, bruv. My anger is just a sum of everybody's anger. This what it is. I am because they are. <laughs> but to be honest with you, my life is, my life is good. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, hey, Eskom. The fuck is going on? Okay? The fuck is handing in? Light up my hood. <laughs> hey, I'm mourning. Let me be. I'm mourning. I'm allowed to brag a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a teensy weensy bit. Hey, I'm mourning. Well, South Africa can't afford to build new nuclear power plants. That's the word of Eskom CEO Andre De Reiter. Now, in September, the Mineral Resources and Energy Department announced plans for the country's second plant. De Reiter is saying that Eskom is extending the life of the Kuburg plant. Eskom is the only operator on the African continent of a civilian nuclear power plant, Kuburg. We are in the process of wanting to extend the life of that power plant by a further 20 years. We are already in advanced discussions with a regulator to enable that to happen. So we are definitely not anti-nuclear. Uh, we think that nuclear has to play a part in the portfolio going forward. We believe that it needs to be cost competitive. Uh, it has certain very good attributes, uh, particularly operating cost once it's built. But it is also, from a capital cost uh, point of view, very expensive. And we therefore need to find that balance in our energy mix that ensures that South Africa has an affordable electricity supply. And I very much see that nuclear will be at least a part of that portfolio going forward. Uh, we ourselves do not have the balance sheet to build a new nuclear power station. It is just too expensive. We cannot assume further debt to support that. The cost per megawatt hour of capacity that we build will be just too high. Oh Maui, if your grandmother really died, why aren't you sad? Why aren't you crying? Why aren't you all sad about it? Well, for one, this is how real comedians deal with grief. We crack jokes. We make fun of the situation. Right? This is how real comedians move. That's number one. Number two, my grandmother loved my jokes. 
She loved my silly nature. She loved it when I was being happy and silly. She loved it. She's probably somewhere laughing right now. Is it heaven? Nobody knows. Right? But she's probably in the afterlife, if it exists, laughing right now. Right? Because she loved it when I was being silly. And on top of that, bruv, she's gone forever. Okay? She's not coming back. Right? She's gone. As I wave this fucking toothbrush like a magic wand. Bruh, she's gone. Abracadabra. Hey, bruh, poof, she's gone. She's not coming back. Right? This toothbrush has me hyped. Hey, she ain't coming back. So, bruv, there's no use crying over her death every day. At some point, for me, it's today. We have to start celebrating her life instead of crying over her death. It was her time, right? She's gone. So, bruv, I'm out here doing what I do. I'm out here doing the one thing. Well, she loved a lot of things about me because, hey, I'm the golden child. There's what it is. Hey, hey, she loved it. When I was cracking jokes. So bruv. I'm gonna do that. Okay. I'm gonna do that. So hey. Escom. I'm mourning. In the dark. Okay. Really not really. (laughs) I'm mourning. In the dark. Okay bruv. We are in the dark. My neighborhood. Is in the dark. Niggas don't have electricity. And niggas aren't as privileged as I am. Okay, bruv? Hey, hey, how about make electricity great again? How about that, Escom? Try that. Huh? How about, hey, try, try the fucking mega blueprint. The super mega blueprint. Learn something from AKA. Make electricity great again. Mega. (laughs) Right? How about do that? We are sick and tired of this shit. Yes, the 2024. You are killing our own black brothers. Whereas Nina, Michelle, you have a clue. Michelle, you have a clue. Michelle, you have a clue. They must bring it on. We are ready for the war. Enough is enough. We are going to fight for this country. We are sick and tired. Scatele in. Scatele. Siswile. Nishalika Nandi. M. Noten. Nihapangay Motazinte. 2024. Sizobon. We are tired. Okay, bruv? We are tired of these fucking load shedding schedules. 
We are tired of these fucking load shedding stages. Oh, stage two, stage three, stage four, stage six. What the fuck is this, cancer? Surprise, this shit cancer. The fuck is going on? Is this load shedding or is it colon cancer? What's happening in? Is this prostate cancer or is this electricity? Enough with the stages. We lost Black Panther because of these fucking stages. Jesus fucking Christ. We lost the Black Panther. R.I.P. To my nigga Chadwick. God fucking damn it. Right. My grandmother is out there chilling with Chadwick. Right. My grandmother is out there chilling with my dad. Godly. My grandmother is out there chilling with my great-grandmother, right? And my great-granddad, and my other great-grandmoms, and my other great-granddad. It's a beautiful thing, right? They're out there chilling in Wakanda. It's a beautiful fucking thing. And I'm pretty sure Wakanda is well lit, right? They have electricity galore. Niggas are out there playing PlayStation 7000 or some shit. Niggas are in the future, bruv. Bruh, MAGA. Make electricity great again. I'm mourning. Fuck. I'm fucking mourning. And bruv, <laughs> yo, knowing my grandmother, right? She was probably like, bruh, this low shedding shit is not going anywhere. Sick and tired of this shit. I'm out of here. <laughs> Legit. My grandmother was out there chilling. Right? A couple of days ago, she died what? Last week, Friday? Or Saturday? Right? Like, bruh, hey, she was probably chilling. Right? In that fucking hospital. Going, bruh, yo, the hospital doesn't have electricity again? Wait, wait, what? We have to wait for the fucking backup generator to kick in again. I'm tired of the shit. I'm sick and tired. Hey, deuces. Legit, <laughs> bruv, knowing my granny, she was fed up. She was like, you know what, bruv, I'm out of here. Escom, hey, Escom, you killed my granny. <laughs> hey, hey, dear Escom, dear Escom, you killed my grandmother. All fucking facts. Hey, how about MAGA? How about that? Hey, hey, Escom, you killed my granny. She was out there like, fuck, man. Stage four, Jesus fucking Christ. I'm out of here. Deuces. I can't deal with this shit anymore, bruv. Right? She was probably out there watching Single and Mingle. Right? She was watching Single and Mingle on Moja Love and she was like, hey, yo, this show is kind of nice. And then, zoop. right? And then, hey, out the fucking blue, zoop. darkness, right? Out the fucking blue, zoop. TV off. Out the, hey, out the fucking blue. Hey, bruv, hey, they have to wait for a fucking generator, right? To kick in, zoop. And she was like, enough. I'm tired. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. 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 Enough. 
I'm out of here. And she was like, hey, enjoy this world that we, the fucking boomers, destroyed. Deuces. <laughs> Rest in peace to my granny, bro. Legit. She's out of here. Because, bro, everybody's tired. Okay? Healthy motherfuckers like me are tired. And, of course, unhealthy motherfuckers like my granny are tired, too. Niggas are like, fuck this shit. I'm out of here. The fuck is going on in South Africa, bruv? Jesus fucking Christ, bruv. This country is a fucking disaster. I mean, fam, yo, yo, yo. Yo, what's going on in East London? Like, what's happening there, bruv? Wait, what? Hey, 21 teenagers were killed in East London last week. 21. Hey, bruv. Hey, hey. 21 teenagers were killed in East London last week. And bruv, nobody knows what happened to them. <gasps> Wait, what? Yep. You can't make this shit up. You can't make this shit up. 21. Hey bruv. Hey, East London is savage, bruh. 21 kids died at a fucking tavern. In East London last week. And nobody knows what the fuck happened to them. Bruh, hey, I got questions. Okay? Hey, bruv, hey, as I willed this fucking toothbrush, hey, bruv, I've got questions. Number one, hey, hey, did they open a portal to Earth 838? Huh? Were they beefing with Domamo? Hey, bruv, hey, were they fighting with the Scarlet Witch? Bruh, hey, did my grandmother's newly minted afterlife soul, Tai Chi, these fucking ruffians? What happened? Huh? What the fuck is going on? These kids were chilling at a fucking tavern called Enyo Beni. What? Hey, hey, I'm pretty sure the word enyobeni means, you know, something else in Kosa. However, hey, in every other language in South Africa, nyobi means sex or nyoba means sex. So enyobeni means where sex happens or some shit. Hey, bruv, hey, I'm just trying to crack the codes. I'm just trying to find out what happened to the kids. Okay, bruv? And what the fuck were these teenagers doing at a tavern? Hey, bruv. Hey, these kids are booze bags. Right? And word is, the youngest kid who died at this fucking tavern was what? 13? Hey! 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 Bruh! What's going on? 13! Bruh, when I was 13, I was out here watching Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon and Yo! TV. Okay? I was out here watching... Hey, I was out here watching Mnet Open Time. Okay, bruv? Hey, when I was 13, I was out here watching Jam Ellie. And my wife and kids. Bruv, hey, what the fuck is going on in South Africa? Hey, hey, what's happening? What's going on? 
Hey, bruv. Hey, Scenery Park. Right? That's where this shit happened. At a place called Scenery Park in East London. I feel him. I the event organizer at the Enyobeni Tavin in East London, where 21 teenagers were killed, has accused the teenagers of forcing their way into the venue on the night the incident occurred. 17 of the teens were confirmed dead on the scene, while four others died in hospital. The cause of their deaths has not yet been determined. Bruh, hey, what happened over there, bruv? Fam, yo, did these kids drink adulterated alcohol? Huh? Hey, bruv, who was making the booze over there? Who was serving the booze over there? Bruh, do they have a couple of motherfuckers from the Dominican Republic? Because if they do, these kids died, hey, because they drank Clarine. Okay? These kids, hey, bruv, these kids died because their alcohol was poisoned. Okay, bruv, we need to fucking, bruh, hey, we need to get to the bottom of this shit. What happened over there, bruv? Twenty-one kids died, and nobody knows what happened. Really? Hey, bruv, their fucking deaths are shrouded in mystery. It's crazy, fam. The minister of police, Begitele, was out here crying, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This fucking animal has a soul." When I saw Begitele crying, I was like, "Bruv, this fucking asshole has a heart. It's a beautiful thing." Legit. When I saw him crying, I was like, hey, whoa. I was shocked. I was appalled. Spalding ball. Yes. I was fucking shocked. However, I was like, wow. Life is a beautiful thing. Bruv, organizer Sifiso Martinese said the teenagers were not allowed to be inside the tavern. Hey, hey, Sifiso, how about... Thank you for stating the obvious. How about that? Huh? He claimed that they pushed their way inside the packed venue. Yeah, bruv. Bruh, hey, they're teenagers. They have energy for days. They have strength for days. All fucking facts. Of course they pushed their way in. They want to have fun. Right? And I quote, Although they let some of those who appeared to be slightly older in, the youngsters, especially those who are said to be 13, are the ones who forced their way in and pushed the bounces. I think that is how they got in. Hey, hey, Sfiso, hey, do you think or do you know? Huh? Hey, 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 bruh. What's going on in South Africa, brah? Our communities don't have leaders. Did I lie? Did I lie? Did I fucking lie? Our townships don't have leaders. 
Our hoods only have a bunch of motherfuckers who are out there looking to make a quick buck. A bunch of hustlers and grifters. That's all our hoods have. What the fuck is Sifiso talking about? Bruh, do you know what happened? Or, or do you think you know what happened? Which one is it? Huh? Which one is it? Oh, they pushed their way inside the packed venue. Okay. That sounds firm, right? That sounds solid. It sounds like you know what the fuck you're talking about. Right? It sounds like you have proof that these kids pushed their way inside the venue. However, when you pull up and say, hey, I think that's how they got in. Hey, you are now basically shitting on your initial statement. Because there's a difference between knowing and thinking that you know. Okay, bruv? Hey, hey. How about do better? 21 kids are dead on your watch, sir. Okay? Hey, hey, you threw the party. Bruv, the youngest victim who died inside the Peck venue was 13 years old. However, community members said that it was normal for the teenagers to party at the venue. I mean, hey, hey, listen to this. <clears throat> Obviously, uh-huh. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, right? Because niggas like Sifiso, Mr. Event Organizer, right? Niggas like him don't care. If the kids get into the venue or not. They don't give a fuck. They just want to make money. You see that? They just want to make money. It's all about the fucking money. Now look. 21 kids are dead. On your watch. Mr. I think that's how they got in. I know they got in. Ah. I was there, I wasn't, I saw them, I didn't, hey, bruh, hey, they died at your party, you organized the event, they died at your event, you are basically the host, hey, bruv, hey, hey, how about, figure it out, uh, how about that, huh, how about that, figure it out, Bruv, the families of the 21 teenagers who died inside a tavern in East London will be hoping to get more clarity on exactly what caused the deaths of their children. Kamala Munchochi, Chochi from Chimbisa, South Africa, Abantuaya Kal and Kalingyoan, and Kalingyoan, Kalasbaning, 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 Nangamam, we are Kal and Kalingyoan, Kalasbaning, Kalasbaning. Now, Hello, South Africa. The police need to figure it out. Okay, bruv? They need to figure it out! Because, bruv, hey! It's asinine that no one could immediately explain what killed the 21 kids. Police have called for patience while parents 
want answers. Of course. Obviously. Their kids are dead. I mean, come on, bruv. Meanwhile, the wife of the owner of the tavern, Vuyogazi Ndevu, has expressed her shock at what happened. Community members have described the venue as a problematic tavern. Obviously. Obviously. Ndevu told journalists last week, Monday, that she felt responsible. Hey, as you should. It's your spot. Hey, bruv. She said the following, and I quote. It is worrying that so many children died at the place that I earn a living through. At least she has a heart. It is painful. I apologize to the families. I don't know what to say. End quote. She has a heart. Okay? She has a fucking heart. Salute to Viogazindevu. She's out here moving differently from Sifiso. Hey, Sifiso, figure it out! Man the fuck up! How about that nuts up? Man the fuck Man up, the fuck nigga! Sifiso, <laughs> do you know what happened or nah? Man the fuck up, my nigga. If you don't know what happened, say so. Okay? And if you know what happened, hey, say so. Don't be out here gassing. This is not the time to gas. Okay? This is not the time to be out here assuming shit. Oh, oh I, I think uh, maybe, uh, I, you know, probably. Relax. Okay, bruv? If you know, you know. And if you don't, you don't. Okay? Fam, some parents of the victims have shifted the blame on the police as they should saying that there was a lack of police visibility at the venue where alcohol was served to teenagers. The police are trying to find out what happened. Hey, figure it out. How about that? This got your game, man. Figure it out. 21 kids are dead. Figure it out. Hey, bruv. Hey. Hey, figure it out. And hey, South Africa, by the way, hey, our fucking health department has confirmed that huh, we now have a second monkeypox case. And this one is in the Western Cape. Bruh, buckle the fuck up. How about that? How about that? Huh? Hey, how about buckle the fuck up? Hey, try that. How about that? Hey, hey, ask him. Ask him. How about MAGA? How about that? Fam, we are lost in this here multiverse of toothbrushes. We are lost in the fucking bristles. We are lost. Okay, bruv. We are trying to figure shit out. We are lost in the thicket. Dear Eskom, figure it out. Okay? Some of your fucking employees were out here protesting. Figure it out. Right? Niggas were striking. Hey, figure it out. Niggas want to earn better. Figure it out. Because your CEO earns millions. Figure it out. Where it is, the wage strike 
has ended at ESCOM, right? As ESCOM and the fucking unions have reached an agreement. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, hey, Mr. Pravin Gordon, it's a beautiful thing. Now, hey, figure it out. Hey, Mr. Public Enterprises Minister, whatever the fuck that means, figure it out. Figure it out. Okay? Public Enterprises Minister, Mr. Pravin Gordon, said the intimidation by striking workers had seen the country plunged into darkness and saw the property of managers and the utility destroyed. Hey, hey, how about, how about ESCOM has been fucking up? Don't be out here blaming the fucking strike, right? ESCOM has been fucking up. Even when all of these niggas were earning good money, niggas have been fucking up over there. Don't be out here blaming the fucking strike. Oh, oh, they want to earn higher wages. Oh, oh, inflation. Oh, the price of wheat is crazy because of Ukraine and the fucking bread basket of the world is, is under fire. Hey, hey, ESCOM has been fucking up. Okay? Even pre these fucking strikes, ESCOM has been fucking up for what, 15 years straight? Don't be out here fucking blaming the strike. All oh, the workers, oh, uh, all the workers, they, they want more money. Uh, oh, they, they've held us hostage. Oh, the, the, the unions. Oh, the, oh, the, 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 oh, the, the, the. Relax. Okay? Relax. And face the truth. Oh, the 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 the, the unions. Oh, oh, the, oh, the, oh, the, oh. relax. <laughs> hey, relax. Oh, I sound like a fucking ninety-five-year-old coming. Okay, that's how I sound. I sound like a fucking nonagenarian coming. Right? Figure it out. How about that? Hey, figure it out. South Africa, we are fucked. And bruv, hey, <laughs> electricity just got back. Right? The fucking electricity just got back, man. God damn it! Right? I mean, bruh, hey, whoa! Hey, Mutakasi is back. The crib is well lit. God damn it. That's my grandmother at work. Right? My fucking angel is out here working overtime, delivering some fucking photons in my life. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful fucking thing. Hey, bruv. Hey. Hey. This fucking toothbrush has magic powers. Hey, bruv. Listen, man, listen. This fucking toothbrush has magic powers. Maui Mao in the multiverse of toothbrushes. Abracadabra. Mudimuang Bonana. Wangbona Your conciliary will sell your soul For a measly doubt So we ambushed your boy with cake Now his chain is wilding in these streets 
and screaming pow Traumatized more families than Colin Powell I've got your days numbered like I'm Terrence Tao Dry season means the heat is out Got you playing defense like you merely tau Famine brought to you by mouth Now let's sing aloud A pair of pussies and let my hounds just eat them out Murimu wang bonana we move like a Zolabad, I hope you ain't Tolabad We carrying four fours in the shadows like the Mossad If you gon' shoot, hit them hard Got five rings, huh, like the Mamba Bad Operation Wrath of God, souls in the mud Breathing dope, the afterlife of dad Equimate my body won't kiss a worm Your dogs are my taxiderm Or flip their fur into a jacket for my posterity Get your progeny ensnared in generational austerity Let me provide some fucking clarity An equal vote doesn't mean parody The lies you're paddling make you a fucking parody It's Everything I said is all true though Fidel taught Justin how to move though One touch Ludo Tiberius brought the food home Fat good kid Caligula the boy flipped fucking cruel though You know an apple a day is all fructose Tyrants get the populace swimming in sodium while their lives are glucose Kitswaul, <laughs> Get to Man, I tell on everybody not to go to jail right now. Are you serious? Man, I'm 44 years old. You they don't let niggas out no more soon. When niggas go to jail now, you come home later. No, no, man. Yeah, I tell on anybody get out. So, of jail. so your logic behind <laughs> quote unquote setting the record straight is that you don't want to be in jail at 50. I ain't gonna be. For me to be here, I mean, I can't go to jail can't go to prison so my ultimate goal in life was just to be present for my son if we riding in the car nigga you sell dope and I don't and you got dope on you and it's a question of who dope this is I'm willing to say that's his dope so I was willing to be all the 
things that we don't want to be in the hood, homie, so I can be president. So, 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 so mm. Drugs, boom. gangs, boom. Yeah. drugs and gangs, gangs. and drugs. Boom. Mm. Drugs, boom. killing people, boom. assaulting women, yeah. and whatnot. Lasted how long? Nine years, 180 episodes. You gave it up, right? I did, sir. They didn't cancel you, you canceled them. You're not aware of this? No, I'm asking you. You think I got canceled? Are you under the impression I, that I, I got canceled? You, I hurt you, Jerry? I thought don't, that was pretty well documented. Don't this is, most a, shows is this still down. CNN? Don't most shows go down a little? Most people do also. You would, but, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I went off the air. I was the number one show on television, Larry. You were do you know who I am? <laughs> Jewish guy, Brooklyn. Yes. Okay. 75 but, million viewers last okay. episode. Wait. Don't take like it so canceled. bad. Well, that's a, that's a big difference between being canceled and being number one. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll be right back. Jeez. B-movie opens. <laughs> B-movie opens. Can get a resume in here for B -movie me? B-movie opens tomorrow. We'll be right back. My best a cornucopia of truths. Unbelievable. God fucking damn it. Bruv, why is everybody shocked in East London? Why the fuck are you niggas surprised? Hey, Sifiso, why the fuck are you surprised? Why are you shell-shocked? Huh? Why the fuck are you baffled? Why are you frazzled by what happened at your fucking tavern? Bruv, hey, I saw some pictures that... The annual Benny Tavin has posted on social media, right? Images from some of their past events. Bruv, hey, hey, every picture had a minor in it. Okay? Hey, bruv, hey, evidently, their biggest clientele is teenagers. So, bruv, why is everybody shocked? <laughs> like, bro, yo, dude, I'm confused. I saw the pictures from some of their past events, bruh. Hey, every single person in the picture is younger than 20. None of those kids are even 18. They all look 16, bruh. Hey, their biggest clientele is teenagers. Their biggest clientele is Generation Z. So my question is... Why is everybody surprised? Huh? Why is everybody acting like, yo, teenagers being at that fucking spot is, is an aberration? Somebody explain to me what the really fuck is going on inside this motherfucking world. Huh? Shit too much for me, man. I can't take it no more. Bruh, judging by those images I saw, okay? Teenagers chilling. At the Enyo Benitavin. is normal. <laughs> Bruh. That's who the Tavin caters to. Bruh. Evidently. 
The Tavin's biggest clientele is Generation Z. So my question is, why is everybody shocked? Why is everybody surprised? Especially the fucking owners and the fucking event organizer. Hey, Sifiso! Why the fuck are you shocked? We have proof. Hey, bruv. Hey, we have proof that every single event that you motherfuckers have ever hosted had fucking teenagers present. So why the fuck are you niggas shocked? Hey, bruv. Hey, cut the shit. Okay? <laughs> bruh. Hey, cut the shit. What the fuck killed the kids, my nigga? What happened to those kids? What killed those 21 teenagers, my nigga? Hey, one of those kids, the youngest of those kids, was 13 years old, my nigga. Hey, the fuck happened? What happened? 21 kids are dead. <laughs> and nobody knows what happened. Bruh, how nanko etswang limina? The fuck is going on? We need answers, my nigga. We need answers. Dear South Africa, hey, we need to protect the kids. Legit, bruv, I told you niggas, the kids aren't alright. I told y'all, the kids aren't alright. All of these kids are troubled. All fucking facts, bruv, we need to protect the kids. You stop talking to me. Really? What are you talking about, Sasha? At least we don't buy our friends with our daddy's bank account. Only because you don't have a dad or a bank account. Bruv. We need to take a page out of the ghost book. And the goat is, of course, Ghislaine Maxwell. She understands what it takes to protect the kids. Bruv, we have to protect the kids. Okay, bruv? So, we are going to need an island. Right? And, of course, we have to build a fucking temple on that island because the kids need Jesus. The kids need God. The kids need prayer. The kids gotta pray, right? At least five times a day, my nigga. At least, at the bare minimum. Five times a day. Bruv, Ghislaine Maxwell understands what it takes to build a child. Okay? She understands what it takes to build confidence or, or to sometimes destroy confidence in a child. She gets it! Bruv, we have to inculcate these kids with culture. It's Jeffrey Epstein's private island in the Caribbean. Some even refer to it as pedophile island. Hey, I'm a just island boy. I'm a just island boy. I'm a good key white boy. Jeffrey Edward Epstein and my residence address is 6100 Red Hook Boulevard in Virgin Islands. One witness described your penis as oval shaped and claimed when erect it was thick towards the bottom but was thin and small towards the head portion and called it head shaped. Those are not my words, I apologize. But as Mr. As Mr. Critton has stated, that this. Why do I mind trying to make it to the top?
Culture is important when raising a child. Bruv, what the fuck are we doing in South Africa? Huh? We have taught these kids how to be booze bags, how to be losers. All of these kids are out here sipping on Bernini. Right? These kids are drinking Castle Milk Stout in 2022. It's crazy. These kids are out here drinking Chibuku. It's asinine. I saw fucking Youngin a few days ago sipping on Black Label. Bruv, we have to teach these kids culture. Good culture. Bruh, look at Ghislaine Maxwell. Right? She introduced a bunch of kids, a bunch of youngins. Right? From third world countries to cultural phenomenons like Donald Trump, Bill Gates, and Prince Andrew. I mean, bruh, yo, 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 yo. We cannot talk about culture. Without mentioning the cultural impact that Bill Gates has had. I mean, bruh, this fucking guy used to work at Apple. Okay? He used to work at Apple. And then he created his own thing. Windows. And bruh, this nigga, this nigga became the wealthiest person on the planet. Bruh, this nigga was the richest man on the planet for like, what, 20 years? Bruh, before Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk took over, bruh, hey, this nigga was the richest man on earth for like 20 plus years. Let that shit sink in, bruh. We need to teach these fucking kids culture. Prince Andrew is a member of the royal family. The British Royal family, bruh, when we talk about culture, I mean, come on, bruv. I mean, can we even talk about culture? Can we even talk about the world, about humanity, without mentioning the cultural impact of the royal family, the cultural impact of England in general, bruh? Hey, Prince Andrew is a god, right? And bruh, that man doesn't sweat. Okay? He don't sweat. Prince Andrew loves the kids. Okay? He loves the kids. It is what it is. He loves the kids. And it's a beautiful thing. He fucks with the kids. Bruh. Hey, Prince Andrew fucks the kids. <laughs> Bruh. Hey. Hey. We need to learn... From Ghislaine Maxwell. Okay South Africa. We have to protect the kids. We have to do it. Whether we like it or not. To avoid fucking disasters. Like what happened in East London. Legit bro. Hey fam. Hey. Hey salute to Ghislaine Maxwell. We are also following breaking news. Ghislaine Maxwell will serve 20 years in prison for sex trafficking. A federal judge announcing that sentence within the last hour. Now, Maxwell was convicted of helping to recruit young girls to be abused by her longtime associate, Jeffrey Epstein, back in December. The judge saying, quote, the damage done to these girls was incalculable. NBC News correspondent for Investigations Tom Winter has been following this case from the start. He is live outside the courthouse 
in Lower Manhattan today. Tom, uh, Maxwell did speak in the courtroom before learning her sentence today. What did she say? Yeah, and a tough sentence that it was with the judge going above the guideline range to sentence her to 20 years in jail, more than was initially called for in hitting her with maximum fines. Uh, the, the statements from Maxwell today, as you said, really the first time that we've heard from her in a substantial fashion since this entire case began, which is not entirely surprising, but what she said did surprise some people in court. She did acknowledge uh, the tremendous uh, emotional testimony uh, that these women uh, provided to the court today for all the abuse that they've gone through and all the abuse that they say they've suffered since. Talking about psychological abuse, talking about substance abuse, talking about multiple attempts at suicide because the things that Maxwell and Epstein put them through for, in her own words, Maxwell saying today, it is my sincerest wish to all those in this courtroom that this day brings a terrible chapter to an end. She also say, may this day help you travel from the darkness into the light, speaking to the victims. She acknowledged that she'd been convicted with Jeffrey Epstein, but didn't really admit her own role in what happened here and her own role with Epstein, that's something that the judge picked up. She said it was kind of a pattern of, uh, of putting the blame aside, uh, noted that in handing down her sentence. Maxwell, for her part, uh, stood to receive the sentence as is customary, uh, but pretty much just looked forward and didn't seem to have any sort of uh, overt emotion or reaction to today's proceedings. And I will note, uh, during the course of the victim's testimony, she also uh, did not appear to ever look at them, just kind of leaned forward and looked forward and uh, took some notes as well. This really does mark the final chapter of a multi-year investigation. She was first arrested nearly two years ago in seclusion at a home in New Hampshire, uh, where she was uh, at the time uh, trying to cover up her phones in tinfoil. To give you an example of what happened that day, according to the FBI, and now nearly two years later, she'll spend the next two decades in jail. And Tom, you know, uh, we often hear the victim impact statements at this point uh, in, a, in a criminal proceeding like this. What mm -hmm. did we hear from the victims? Uh, what did they have to say to Maxwell today? Well, it's a very powerful comments. All told, we heard from four of them in person. We also heard from an attorney representing Virginia Joffrey Roberts, uh, who wanted to speak on her behalf because Joffrey uh, couldn't make it today. Uh, we heard from her outside of court. Let's listen to Sigrid McCauley. Today showed us that individuals can be held accountable irrespective of power and privilege. And today showed us that the chorus of voices of these survivors prevailed and showed accountability. It's really a victorious day for justice. Aaron, the key message here today, both inside the court and outside the court, is this idea that all of these young women had family difficulties, may have had financial difficulties, and they were sought out by Maxwell and by Epstein to traffic them, to abuse them, uh, and to take advantage of them, even threatening them at different points. It was a uh, emotional hour or so uh, inside federal court. All right. Uh, Tom Winter for us outside the federal courthouse here in New York. Tom, thank you. A goddess. Amongst man. <laughs> That's what Ghislaine Maxwell is. Right? She built her own lane. Right? With jizz, of course. A jizz lane, bruh. Hey, talk about cum. Talk about, talk about sperm. Bruh. Hey, talk about swimmers, bruh. The lane that Ghislaine Maxwell built. Bruh, listen. Yo, it shall never be recreated. 
It shall never be imitated. It shall never be duplicated. Which is why we need to learn from Ghislaine and build a new lane in South Africa. Legit. Right? We have to build and create a new lane in South Africa, bruv. We have to learn from Ghislaine and protect the kids. Right? Bruh, Ghislaine Maxwell was just trying to help. Okay, she was just trying to help. She was just trying to help these kids from third world countries. Right? I mean, sure, like, you know, they fucking kidnapped a few of them. Right? They they trafficked a couple of them. But, bruh, hey, they were just trying to help. Legit, bruv. Let's keep it a buck. Some of these kids, some of these kids were from shithole countries. So, bruv, I have a question to those fucking women that Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein trafficked all over the fucking world. I have a question. Hey, hey, could you rather be at a fucking castle in the UK or, or could you rather grow up in squalor? Which one is it? Huh? Hey, could you rather get fucked in a castle by a fucking prince? Or could you rather die from from smallpox in a fucking village in Myanmar? Bruh, which one is it? Which one is it? <laughs> I'm a wild boy. <laughs> hey, this is all comedy. <laughs> okay? Ghislaine Maxwell is a piece of shit. <laughs> hey, hey, this is all comedy. I'm just joking, or am I? Hey, bro. Hey, Ghislaine. <laughs> Ghislaine was trying to help. Okay? Ghislaine was trying to help. We need to thank her. Come on out, you rapist! Fam, Ghislaine Maxwell is a fighter. She's a hustler. She's a survivor. And she'll never give up! Bruh, I saw that Ghislaine Maxwell has been placed under suicide watch. <laughs> I mean, come on, bruh. Hey, listen. You niggas are trying to kill Ghislaine. Right? Hey, hey, some of you niggas are trying to kill Ghislaine Maxwell. Hey, Hillary Clinton, stop trying to kill Ghislaine Maxwell. Hey, Billy Boy, Bill Clinton, hey, you a wild boy. Stop trying to kill Ghislaine Maxwell. I'm just saying. Just saying. Right? Hey, hey, listen. You niggas killed Jeffrey Epstein. Allegedly. Right? Hey, you niggas killed Jeffrey Epstein. Because, because y'all knew that Jeffrey Epstein got some fucking dirt on all of y'all. Right? And now, and now you niggas want to murk Ghislaine Maxwell. Y'all placed her under, under suicide watch. Oh, oh, she's trying to kill herself. Ah, we don't believe you. You need, hey, you need more people. How about that? We don't believe you, my nigga. Hey, hey, Ghislaine is trying to kill herself. How? With what, bruh? Hey, Ghislaine loves life. Okay? 
I mean, hey, she's a bit corrupt. <laughs> okay, bro, but she loves life. Because life is like a video game to people like Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell grew up with a golden spoon in her fucking mouth. Okay, she's been wealthy forever. She's used to money. She's a fucking survivor. <laughs> okay, bruv. She learned this shit from her father. Her entire family is just wild. Bruh. Ghislaine Maxwell is a fighter. Listen, bruv. If my... <laughs> hey. If my grandmother was Ghislaine Maxwell. Bruh. Hey. She was gonna be alive right now. Okay, if my granny was Ghislaine Maxwell, she was still gonna be alive today. Hey, all I'm saying is, people like Ghislaine Maxwell are built different. That's all I'm saying. R.I.P. to my grandmom, of course, I love her. <laughs> right? Hey, hey, this is comedy. <laughs> Yay! I gotta deliver the funny. This is comedy. Right? But of course, there's a bit of truth here and there. Here and there. Legit, bruv. Ghislaine Maxwell is a survivor. There's no fucking way that a person like Ghislaine Maxwell would attempt to murk herself. She knows too much. Right? She knows too much. So, bruv, she's confident in the shit that she knows. Right? Which is why, which is why she'll never kill herself. She's like, hey, why would I kill myself when I have all of this dirt on everybody. Why would I? Bruv, hey listen. There's no difference between Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein, and those fucking sheiks in Dubai. Okay? There's no difference in what Ghislaine and Jeffrey did. And what these fucking sheiks in Dubai are doing right now. There's no difference. Bruh, hey, do the math. Fam, yo, you legit don't think that... You don't think that these fucking sheiks are trafficking bitches? Hey, bruv. Hey, come on. Hey, my nigga. Hey, stop living in, in, in this fucking fantastical world that you have built in your fucking mind, my nigga. Hey, hey, how about let me introduce you to reality, okay? These fucking sheiks in Dubai are trafficking young girls. Okay? And some of them are trafficking young boys. These are all fucking facts. Legit. All of these niggas are wild. I mean, bruh, hey, if an... Hey, listen. If a dude, right? If a grown-ass man has the fucking ability to shit on a grown-ass woman, bruh, hey, that dude is capable of anything. Okay, bruv? Fam, some of these chicks who are getting shitted on in Dubai, bruv, they, they are told to suck on tiger dicks. Right? Hey, bruv, hey, they are coerced into sucking off little dudes, little boys, like 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds. Bruv, they, listen, these fucking sheiks are out here moving like Birdman. Legit, bruv. Hey, Lil Wayne once shared a story about Birdman. Right? When he was a youngin, Birdman was like, hey, right? Birdman called the bitch and he was like, hey, hey how about, 
Suck on Lil Wayne's little dick over there. How about that? Hey, 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 bitch. How about, how about suck on my little dude over there? <laughs> hey, bruv. Hey, all I'm saying is, there's no difference. Niggas be wildin'. There's no difference between Bill Cosby and R. Kelly. There's no difference between Bill Cosby, R. Kelly, and Bill Gates. Allegedly. There's no difference. There's no difference. Right? Bruh, hey, there's something in the water in America. There's something in the water. Right? There's something in the water over there, bruv. Hey, once you get on the Forbes list, hey, things things get weird. That's all I'm saying. Once a nigga gets on the fucking Forbes billionaire's list, bruh, things get weird. They get weird. This what it is. These are all fucking facts. All of these niggas are wild. All of these niggas are crazy. I have fun on my I have found that my team was a pain in the but you're But I have found that my chance. I have found that my team was I have found that my feet. You're my, you're my, In South Africa, listen, hey, what's happening in America is happening in South Africa. FYI. Okay? Hey, bruv, hey, I know that you niggas love talking about R. Kelly. Oh, he's a creepazoid. Oh, Bill Cosby is a creepazoid. Listen, listen, we do have R. Kelly's amongst us. Okay, South Africa, we do have Bill Cosby's over here. We do have a lot of people wildin', bruh, hey, I've heard a lot of things about a lot of these fucking celebrities. Legit, right? Fam, yo, I have a lot of allegedly's in my pocket, <laughs> okay? Allegedly, mtun touched mtun bruh, hey, allegedly. <laughs> Fam, all I'm saying is, what's happening in America is happening worldwide. Right? We need to protect the kids. All fucking facts. And of course, of course, Ghislaine Maxwell is a fucking lunatic. Jeffrey Epstein is a fucking lunatic. I'm joking when I say we need to learn from Ghislaine Maxwell. I mean, hey, I'm a fucking comedian. I'm joking. Right? But the truth is, hey... Most of these wealthy motherfuckers are lunatics. Most of these politicians are wild. All of these niggas, bruh, listen, all of these motherfuckers are libidinous as fuck and they're into weird shit. So keep your fucking head on a swivel. Legit, bruv. Fam, yo, <laughs> yo, 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 last week, <sighs> last week, bruh, listen. <sighs> This past week was was a super sad week for me, bruv. Okay, fam? Like, bruh, hey, number one, I buried my grandma, right? And number two, last week, what? What, Tuesday? Right, was it Tuesday? Yeah, I think it was Tuesday. 
Last week, Tuesday, Ghislaine Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years for, for conspiring with Jeffrey Epstein to recruit and sexually abuse underage girls. She was sentenced to 20 years in prison. I cried. Okay, bro, listen. Yo, yo, when this fucking story broke, listen, I cried way more than I did for my grandma. Right? You, you niggas want honesty. Okay, bro? Hey, fam. Ghislaine Maxwell. <laughs> hey. Ghislaine Maxwell's sentencing. Okay? Had a bigger impact. <laughs> I'm a fucking lunatic. <laughs> I can't say this with a straight face. <laughs> Bruh. Hey. Ghislaine Maxwell's sentence. Okay? Had a bigger emotional impact on me. Than my grandmother's death. Let this shit sink in. Okay, bruv. Fam, I cried. I cried for many moons. Oh, fucking facts, bruv. Yo, listen. Listen, yesterday. Right? When we were burying my grandma, right? As I saw her casket. Right? Going into the fucking ground. Bruh, listen. Niggas thought I was crying for my granny. No. I was crying for Ghislaine. <laughs> Bruh, hey, niggas looked at me and they were like, yo, Maui is so fucking sad. Like, yo, Maui really loved his grandmother. Bruh, no, I wasn't crying because my granny's gone. No, I was crying because Ghislaine Maxwell has been sentenced to 20 years in prison. <laughs> Bruh, hey. <laughs> Dude, I'm joking. <laughs> okay, I'm fucking joking. It's comedy. This is how I deal with grief. Okay? This is how I show a person that I love him. Okay, bro. I fuck around a little bit. I see some crazy shit here and there. It's all innocent. Right? It's all, it's all innocent. So if I have family members listening to this shit, hey, relax. I'm a comedian. I'm joking. Right? Hyperbole is a big part of what I do. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh my fucking God, bruv. America. America. You motherfuckers. Hey. Hey. Free my girl. America. Hey. Hey, you motherfuckers. Don't you fucking dare. Don't you fucking dare. Okay? Free my girl. Don't you. America. America, America, don't you fucking dare imprison Ghislaine Maxwell. Free my girl. Free my girl. Right? Bruh, hey, dude, Ghislaine still has to teach the world. Right? Like, bruh, she's a fucking teacher. Look at her. Right? Bruh, listen, a new pedagogy is afoot. And people like Ghislaine Maxwell need to lead it. Right? She's a fucking teacher. Right? Oh, this is the banana bar. I'm just joking. I'm joking. Right? Ghislaine Maxwell is a piece of shit. And quite frankly, 20 years is not enough for what she did. They should have gave her life. 
life in prison because she ruined a lot of people's lives. These are all fucking facts. Right? There's no difference between Ghislaine Maxwell and Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. He has ruined a lot of people's lives. Bruh, Vladimir is a wild boy. Fam, word is, four days before Russia invaded Ukraine, Vladimir Putin had a phone call with French President Emmanuel Macron. Right? And he told Emmanuel Macron the following, and I quote, okay, I could rather play ice hockey than hold peace talks. Okay, listen, my accent is horrible. Well, my simple child reaction of what you did is that you are not funny. Funnier than you is even Stuart Schlossman, who was my friend and is 11 and puts walnuts in his mouth and makes noises. My Russian accent has brought shame to my family. These are all fucking facts. It's horrible. However, however, the message is clear. Okay? Vladimir Putin told Emmanuel Macron that he could rather play ice hockey than hold peace talks. Let that shit sink in, bruv. Let that shit sink in. He's a wild boy. He doesn't give a fuck. He's a wild fucking boy. So there's no difference between a person like Vladimir Putin and a person like Ghislaine Maxwell. There's no difference. They're fucking animals. Legit. They are fucking animals. Savages. Brutes. They belong in a cage. All fucking facts. They belong six feet under. Right? Meanwhile, good people like my grandmother are the ones who are dying. Right? Good people. <sighs> Loving people like my grandmother are the ones who are being taken from the world. Right? While fucking animals and, and devils like Ghislaine Maxwell and Vladimir Putin are still out here wilding. They're still alive. Right? Destroying the fucking planet. Ain't that some shit? Huh? Ain't that a bitch? Life is unfair, however, you know, there's what it is. Calling a skabang. Right? And of course the skabang is God. Right? If God is is real. Right? God is like what three people? Jesus, the uh, he's dad, and the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Hey, listen, if God is real, you know, he's a skabang. Because he pulls up like a thief in the night and he steals all of the good people. He takes all of the good people. Legit, bruv. So, if you are listening to this shit, bruv, hey, you still got a shot. You're still alive. Hey, do right and kill everything. Okay? More life, more everything. Facts. Bruh, Scott Vermillion, who died in 2020, was the first United States pro soccer player to be diagnosed with CTE. Right there. Stop. No, 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 no,
getting spooky. It's 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 getting spooky. Weird times. Global weirding. I've already uh, taken cheeseburger and chicken burger and french fry set and a bit of coke. Double cheeseburger. This new chain is replacing McDonald's, which is one of the most high-profile brands to leave Russia after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Here you can see the menu. Okay, breakfast. I think it's like the same. Opening of the first McDonald's uh, in 1990 was still when the Soviet Union was intact. It was very symbolic. It was seen as Russia's opening to the West. People enjoyed McDonald's. There was something that uh, they could count on, on long road trips. Uh, they knew what the quality is going to be. They knew it's going to be clean. The standards are there. And they could count on, you know, what they were going to eat. Every member in my family has a favorite food set. My mom loves uh, Caesar roll. My grandma likes uh, potato wedges. And uh, I can say that I'm a really big fan of the old McDonald's. Politicians in Russia are positioning this reopening as a way to show that uh, Russia can do well, you know, despite all the sanctions and the boycotts by corporations. It's kind of an easy case that won't prove much. Sure, they will be able to make burgers, but will they be able to make cars? Will they be able to make airplanes? What happens next is unclear. McDonald's hasn't commented on that. McDonald's can bid on the deal, on the franchise again in the future. We don't know whether it does so or under what circumstances. Out of the house. You want people to walk down the street with a mask on? 
let's not start this, John. Do you, though? Let's not start this. Okay. Let's, let's start it. I, I don't want to start this bullshit. I'm not going to sit here with no medical degree, listening to you with no medical degree, with an American flag behind you, smoking a cigar, <laughs> acting like we know what's up better than the CDC. All I do is I listen. I watch the news once every two weeks. I'm like, mask or no mask? Still mask? All right, mask. That's all I give a fuck about. I don't care. But even they say you shouldn't wear a mask unless you're treating a coronavirus patient. The World Health Organization. Yeah, but they didn't say that, that initially. They didn't say it initially. No, they didn't. They did. And then it gradually, then it gra- they- and then, wait, wait, wait. And then everybody wore the fucking masks. This is like rollerblading. Everybody fucking rollerbladed. And then there was that one fucking homophobic joke. And then everybody acted like they never did it. <laughs> and then a, a hundred million fucking rollerblades got thrown into the fucking ocean. We all wore masks. And I then all of a sudden, people are fucking sitting there. Well, you don't have the body type for it, dude. Your fucking <laughs> knuckles would scrape on the ground. <laughs> Even with that extra two inches. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's now speak to Leighton Baird of the Automobile Association. Uh, good evening, Leighton. I mean, here we go again. But it is, it's staggeringly high, uh, between 2 Rand City and 2 Rand 50 and more, a litre of petrol. Um, the DA saying that deregulation of petrol might help us. Do you agree? Yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a yes or no answer to that, uh, Sally. I think there's a lot of factors that come into play. Um, you know, deregulation will have an impact on the retailers uh, themselves. Uh, I think that uh, their voice needs to be heard in that discussion. Uh, certainly from a consumer point of view, deregulation has benefits. Um, but on the other hand, there are payoffs. You may, you, you know, it may result in, in some significant job losses in, in the fuel sector. So it's not a simple yes or no answer. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, where we are as South Africa in terms of our fuel pricing, um, it's a very important discussion to have. And I think it's a discussion that government should uh, initiate with uh, industry role players, uh, along with doing the review of the fuel prices we have been calling for for a number of years. We know that the Department of Energy and Treasury are using this time, or supposed to be, to come up with a plan to see where they can trim the price of fuel, because we know that the fuel tax cushion cannot carry on because it's used in the fiscus for other very important things. But first of all, have you heard any word from either of those departments about what direction they're thinking of? Um, Anything? Because we certainly haven't, as far as I know. No, sadly, we haven't. Um, you know, we, we were engaging with the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy a couple of months ago, um, you know, with a view to actually uh, getting this review that we've been asking for off the ground. Uh, but uh, n- nothing has happened since then. Uh, you know, what's happening behind the scenes, I don't know. So um, we understand that you can't take all those taxes away. It's just not feasible. We won't have a budget to run the country. But um, Mm. what about getting rid of the road accident fund? I mean, we know it's been mired in corruption for years and years. Mm. What about just scrapping that? Do you think that's an option? I think scrapping the RAF as an institution is necessarily the answer, Sally. I think management needs to be be looked at and the private sector needs to be involved um, you know, at some stage of, of the process, uh, perhaps even in the claims management process of the RAF. I think the deeper question that we need to ask, Sally, is why, as a country, we have an over-reliance on the RAF in the first place. And the answer to that is quite simple, and that is that we have an extremely poor road safety record in our country. We have one of the highest per capita road death fatality statistics 
uh, in the world. And that is as a result of the fact that um, we have such poor road uh, enforcement, traffic law enforcement in South Africa, uh, and there's no adherence to, to traffic laws. So we have this over-reliance on the RAF. Now, in our view, um, one of the ways to mitigate against rising fuel costs is to actually deal better with road safety, because that then diminishes our reliance on the RAF. But we're in a situation where, for instance, the lead agency responsible uh, uh, for road safety in South Africa, the Road Traffic Management Corporation, um, at one stage had an excess of 260 million rand in their budget. And you've got to ask yourself why in that situation uh, that the country's in, do you have a, a situation like that? So scrapping of the RAF in total, I don't think is the answer. Um, but there's certainly things that need to be done uh, to the RAF, in our view, that could, um, that could deal better with the levy that it's currently receiving. All right. So that's perhaps an area they can focus on. Let's focus on the consumer now, because not only are we facing uh, shocking increases of petrol that goes into our vehicles, and I mean, you've put something on your website, and we're going to bring up the graphic now. Uh, in July 2021, it was 17 rand 39 a litre of 95. From tomorrow mm. at midnight, it's going to be 26 rand 74. To, uh, and mm. then, in other words, if you look at filling a 45-litre tank, it's gone from 780 this time last year. From Wednesday, it'll be around 1,200 rand. Uh, it's mm. an increase of 420 rand, which is over 50% higher. I mean, that's astonishing. The average South African simply mm. hasn't had anything near an increase like that. But furthermore, mm -hmm. those of us lucky enough to have generators um, are spending mm -hmm. at least 800 rand a week filling it to deal with stage six. Mm. I mean, where's it heading? <laughs> You've touched on two very important issues there, Sally. First of all, um, motorists definitely are going to feel the pinch. I mean, when this increase comes in, and as you said, you know, since the beginning of January, paying, you know, almost five rand a litre more for a litre of fuel than what we were, um, that in itself tells the story. And then obviously, you know, you bring uh, rolling blackouts into the picture and people have to have to fund their generators uh, to, to cope with that. So it's a huge problem. The, what's an even bigger problem, of course, is the impact this is going to have on the economy in general and on a basket of goods. We know that that's going to become more expensive. So, um, you know, consumers who, who are already embattled uh, are just going to face even more pressure. Where is it heading? You know, depending on what happens, um, you know, with the, with the Ukraine situation um, and, and government's plans in terms of dealing with the fuel price, uh, we know we're starting uh, August already on the back foot with the 75 cents that's coming back from the rest of the fuel levy. Um, it's all going to depend on what happens with that international oil price and how that's going to play out. Um, if we're at that stage now where oil is as expensive as it's going to get, and I don't know whether that's the case, um, you know, then certainly there could be a plateauing. But it's again, it's a question of watching the numbers and seeing how that price of oil plays out over the next couple of weeks. It could go through the roof. It could stay where it is. You know, um, for me to say anything more than that, I think would be speculative, Sally. Sure. In, in the meantime, what are consumers and motorists doing? I mean, are you picking up on trends of people downsizing yeah. to smaller, more fuel-efficient cars? Are you seeing an mm -hmm. increase um, in people carpooling? What are the sorts of things that you're getting from consumers? 
Yeah, it's a very good question. I mean, we've done some research in the past and people are definitely keeping their cars for longer. So that's the first thing that people are doing and they're maintaining them better. You know, well-maintained car, a car that's serviced well is going to run, um, you know, on the optimal amount of fuel. People are checking things like their tire pressure to make sure that they're running on, you know, the right, uh, they're inflated correctly. They're running on, 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 the, on the right uh, inflated tires because that has an impact on, on fuel uh, usage as well. Um, people are, uh, to some extent, people are downsizing. Um, you know, many, many families that have that option, um, you know, are only using one vehicle. People are limiting the time they're on the road. Um, you know, a lot of people are negotiating with their employers, uh, saying, you know, we'd like to work maybe, you know, three days or four days from, from, from the office and the other days from home. They're negotiating times which they go to work so that they miss that traffic in the morning and the evening. People are trying all these types of things. Unfortunately, some people are also trying these new, you know, these new pulls that are on the market and the AI urges people not to do that, you know, because they haven't been verified and the efficacy hasn't been established. But what I'm explaining to you now is something that people around the world are actually doing. In many other places in the world, people are actually relying on public transport. In some cases, it's subsidized by either the government or their employers, which is which is obviously fantastic. We don't have, you know, reliable, affordable uh, public transport, safe public transport in many areas, um, you know, in, in South Africa, but where it is available, people are using that. But these are the types of things that people are doing. Um, and, you know, for, for some people, it's working. Uh, in many, many instances, what we're also finding is people re-looking at their budgets, scrubbing that stuff that they feel isn't essential, that they can do without, and focusing on that stuff that is essential and keeping that in. But these are the types of things that people are doing. A lot of belt tightening is happening at the moment, Sally. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much uh, for chatting to us about the trends and what motorists and consumers in general are having to do just to get through the month, facing extremely high fuel hikes coming in from Wednesday morning. That was the Automobile Association's Leighton Beard. Thanks so much, Leighton. So how much do you sell it for and what do people get from it? $10 for a flat. Can I see? That's a ten dollar flap of fentanyl. And that's dark green. Dark green. That's the shit that's dropping people. Do you know what purity that is? Fifteen percent fentanyl. Three percent heroin. The rest is baby laxative, sugars. Is it possible that I'd die if I took that? Yep. All depends how high your immune system, you know, your tolerance. I mean, I've never taken fentanyl before. If you took that, you'd die. 100%? 100%. Would you sell it to me? If you want to buy it. If I want to buy it? Like, if I give you 10 bucks for that now, you'll sell me that? Yep. It's your life, bro. You got to make your own choices, right? And I got to eat. Did you see it? I saw the news. I know you saw the news. Oh, Kyrie Irving, you opted in after all. Took that money, didn't you? One year deal, y'all. One year, $36.9 million. Exercises his player option. So what does that mean? To y'all, it means Kyrie's going to be a Brooklyn Net. You know what it means to me? I guess he's a peon too, huh? So you got to go to work. You got to show up to work. You actually got to go to work. You got you to go up there and earn that money. You got to show up to work. Because even if you plan on leaving the Brooklyn Nets, because we all know that Kyrie doesn't plan on staying in Brooklyn for the full year. He's offended. He's appalled. He's put back by the fact that the Brooklyn Nets actually said you have to show up to earn your money. We know that offends him. We know that offends him. So you're thinking, hey, 
guess what? I'm going to get the hell up out of here. Philly somewhere, they willing to give me a three-year guaranteed deal. The Clippers could get their hands on me. They want me. Maybe I could get to the Los Angeles Clippers. Who knows? Maybe somehow, some way, the Los Angeles Lakers will be able to work out a sign and trade. Guess what, Kyrie? No matter what options you may think you have down the road, it all starts with you having to show up to work first. You show up to work, then you got a future where you're going to make your money. You don't show up to work. You're stuck because even if somebody wants you, they're still going to require that you show up to work, which means those long term commitments that guarantee four years over two hundred million dollars that was waiting for you. Ain't going to work that way. According to Kyrie, anybody in that position pretty much is a peon. Hmm. Funny how karma works, doesn't it? Guess he's a peon too, just like the rest of us. See you in Brooklyn. Ooh, Stephen A dropping the mic. Well, I mean, I think it's safe to say for Name everyone calling. watching, you gotta show to work to get paid. Now, what is your reaction to Stephen A's very eclectic thoughts about this that we're all just kind of like, okay. Yeah, I mean, this is only kicking the can down the road. Like, this is not like, like to his point, yeah. this is not a done deal. Kyrie Irving might be looking to get out. Brooklyn might be looking to move Kyrie Irving yep. at some point. Like, this doesn't mean he's there forever. But, you know, to his point, if he's got to show up now and do what he needs to do to earn that max deal, he could have done it this past year had the circumstances been different and he chosen to actually be part of the games and do what he needed to do to be part of those games at home and, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the NBA with the vaccine mandate. Now it's delaying it even further for him. So he kind of has to like, you know, let's say tuck his tail between his legs and walk back. But that's exactly what this was. But like all those other teams that we had mentioned on the list, like if he's so great about like when, when Stephen A was talking about, oh, like I might want to go here. I might want to go there. Wouldn't they have come and gotten you when you're cheaper right At this now? Point, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like wouldn't that have happened? So like maybe, maybe there aren't all these teams that want him out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man. When does the backyard barbecue have with Stephen A. Smith and Kyrie Irving? Because that would be must-see TV. Yeah. You got mm -hmm. food. You got two guys that don't like each other. Although Stephen A. Smith has said, I just keep it real with him. And mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving's clapped back at him or through other people. Here's the deal with what Stephen A. Smith had to say. And it is 100% correct in terms of you're going to get paid $36.9 million by opting in. You can't use the whole thing. I'm not feeling it. You can yeah. all of a sudden say for a week I need time away. The Brooklyn is going to be like, really? Come on now. You opted in for this money. You got to show up and earn your money. You can't allow yourself to put yourself in place of the basketball team, in place of the organization anymore. Mm -hmm. And whether he wants to believe it or not, when it comes to Kyrie Irving, he got a full glimpse of his potential future, according to your point, that if teams really wanted you, they would say, you come here and sign for a $6.4 million exemption, and then we're going to take care of you after that because we trust you can go out there and ball. He wasn't willing to do that. In other words, Kyrie Irving bet on himself for $36.5 million because that was the easy play and the right play, in my opinion. Sure. He didn't trust himself enough to say, I'll leave this organization. The only person I feel loyal to that's been loyal to me has been Kevin Durant. We're always going to be boys. But this Brooklyn Nets organization laid the gauntlet down to Kyrie Irving saying, we're not going to put it with this in 2022 and 2023. And he probably thought other teams would. And other teams let him know, yeah, we'll do that, but for $6.4 million. Not 36.5 million. And like I said before, Kyrie Irving is not dumb. 
He may do some dumb things and say some dumb things, but he's not dumb. He was smart to realize, man, I better play this the right way and mm -hmm. then figure out things later on. So, yeah, you're going to get $36.5 million, Kyrie. You can't just all of a sudden play 25, 30 games and not be injured because you don't want to play. That no, is I mean, not going to fly. Last year's career low of 29 games in a season, of course teams are probably going to be a bit more like, well. They should. Not worth that. Yeah, no matter how yeah. great you are, the only way you could get away with that, you have to literally average 100 points a game. Yeah. And that's the point, Make okay, we'll take for it for 25. Yeah. We know we got 25 wins because you're averaging 100 points a game. And since that's not happening, since we all live on planet Earth, whether Kyrie doesn't live here or not, mm. teams let them know right away. You can put those feelers out there. We're not feeling you to that point what you want to have happen. You need to show more to get paid more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Courtney, do you have any more thoughts on that? I think for Kevin Durant and what he's probably feeling right yeah. now is relief. But mm. he knows, mm -hmm. like Stephen A. was alluding to, this is not over just yet. It's solved for now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, like, what happens... How many times have we heard those words? What yeah. happens when Kyrie Irving decides, I'm not feeling this today. This week, I'm not feeling this. And oh. Kevin Durant is left to shoulder the load once again. Is that going to be the point that fractures that relationship beyond repair? Because for, for, for a long time, Kevin Durant has been a good soldier. He has always touted Kyrie Irving the same, saying that he was going to stay out of this, that he wasn't going to get between the player and the organization. As of right now, he has no right to feel any type of way about what Kyrie Irving just did and opting in other than I'm set for the summer. I yep. don't have to start worrying about my next destination <laughs> mm -hmm. or trying to figure out Damian Lillard, like your Photoshop skills are great. I'm going to come join you in Portland. <laughs> but the second this thing starts going sideways like it did last season, I will be very curious to see how Kevin Durant handles that because he put up with it once. Yeah. Fool me once. Yeah. Shame on yeah. you, yeah. right? Yep. Fool me twice. Shame Fool on me. me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if y'all are aware of what's going on in Texas right now. But apparently the GOP Republicans of Texas wants Texas to be able to vote in 2023 to secede from the United States. So much so that they've come up with a whole reprimandum that they're pushing to get passed. And I read through it so that you don't have to. And we're going to go over a couple of the highlights. Now, this is available to the public. You are welcome to go and search it up and read it for yourself. But we're just going to talk about a few things that I find a little bit alarming, especially because I live in Texas. For example, let's talk about the number 29, Equal Rights Amendment. We call upon the 88th Texas Legislature to adopt a resolution clarifying that the 1972 ratification by the 62nd Texas Legislature of the proposed Equal Rights Amendment to the United States Constitution was only valid through March 22nd, 1979. Yeah, let that sink in. Obviously, they want prayer, Bible, and the Ten Commandments to be taught in school while simultaneously banning critical race theory. They want to protect Confederate statues and things that are representative of our heritage as Americans. They want their right to bear arms and they rebuke the bipartisan gun agreement that was put into place after the, the Uvalde shooting. They want the National Guard deployed at the border as well as they want the UN off of American soil and want to pull out of the United Nations. They do not want gender identities to be discussed, and they do not believe in pronouns. Plus, we can't call them he or she. They want to be called it. Of course, they are pro-life, and they are now calling fetuses pre-born children, which obviously goes to say that they are all for abortion all across the board. They also reiterate that America is a God-based 
Christian nation based on Judeo-Christian principles. They propose that cannabis be criminalized, and they claim that we are in a pornography crisis because it's a human health hazard. Obviously, they believe that marriage is going to be between one man and one woman, nothing else. They want welfare to be done away with, which is funny because most of the recipients of welfare are white people. Welfare has never benefited black people. Now, the great resignation in the U.S. has reached South African shores. All mutual fund South African companies are recording higher resignation rates than before the pandemic. It's driving an exodus of skilled professionals. One of the reasons is that employees want a better work-life balance. Employment lawyer Jackie Reed speaks to us now. Jackie, good morning and thank you very much for your time. Uh, I know it seems to be a better work balance that they're looking for, but what other... Uh, reasons could they attribute to this exodus of skilled professionals to? Morning, thank you for having me. My understanding of the surveys that have been done recently and over the past couple of years in relation to employees resigning um, is related to a number of issues. The first issue is pay, obviously. Um, the second issue, and more importantly, um, according to these surveys, are the societal issues um, that are raised in the workplace. Um, as well as issues relating to general um, well-being and happiness. So if an employee feels like they're part of a team, they're included, their managers consider their personal works, their personal circumstances, um, both from a personal perspective as well as a work perspective, um, remote working is dealt with in a certain way versus you know the hybrid working model versus uh, working at the office, working at home. Remember, we've got employees in the workplace who cannot actually work from home. They have to work in the office. And what has been um, found in these surveys is that those employees are actually feeling quite disempowered and not very fulfilled in their jobs because um, they don't have this um, opportunity to work in a hybrid model. Um, mm. One of the things that very important for employees is feeling fulfilled at work um, and feeling like they can be themselves at work. So what these surveys have indicated is essentially changes need to come from leadership and the leadership needs to ensure that they approach these more, more um, human resources and industrial relations type issues um, in a different way and with empathy and with consideration for their employees as human beings who not only come to the workplace, but also have families and friends um, and things like that, that they in their lives. Mental well-being is a massive issue, of course, mm -hmm. as we come out of this pandemic. Um, and that is something that a lot of employees have identified as being important, that they get the necessary support and assistance in circumstances where their mental health and or their physical health um, is suffering for whatever reason. Um, also issues relating to discrimination, diversity and inclusion in the workplace, these are also very important issues. And of course, as we've seen um, recently, and it's the big uh, buzzword at the moment, or um, is ESG, environmental, social and governance. And what a lot of employees are saying is that they want their employers to have an impact on society. Um, so they must uplift those members of society that are in a less favorable position. And they must also ensure that the climate um, is something that's top of mind with a lot of organizations. So they mm -hmm. want to see real change. They don't want employers to pay lip service to change. They want to see it, they want to feel it, and they want to be a part of it. 
Mm -hmm. For those managers that are watching our interview now, how do they strike that balance to, to attempt to meet the expectations of the employee, but also meet the objectives of the company? Because in some instances, you find that, yes, we've seen a lot of people working in this hybrid model, but in some companies, it's absolutely impossible. They need to have everybody in the same space, in a boardroom, if that is the case, and it just doesn't work for them. So how does a manager balance the expectations of the employee versus the objectives of the company? So um, what's interesting is that a lot of these, um, there's been a lot of pushback in relation to a lot of these issues that arise from managers and from leaders in workplaces. And um, they assume that, for example, an issue like discrimination or um, religion or politics, that these issues are too divisive, they create problems in the workplace, they are something to be avoided. And in fact, what the PwC survey found, and I recall that you um, had a gentleman on from PwC discussing the survey, is that that survey found that in fact, having these types of discussions creates a more positive workplace for people. And they're actually not divisive. They bring people together. They ensure that people discuss issues that otherwise they wouldn't feel free to discuss, there's no judgment, um, and, and they feel more valued and they feel more included in the workplace. And the same applies to issues relating to the hybrid working model. There are actually quite a lot of employees that want to continue to work remotely. Um, and those employees will have to, on some occasions, come into the office because that's what's required in order to ensure that there's a corporate culture, in order to ensure that there's collaboration, there's teamwork, there's a sense of energy, there's a sense of belonging to the workplace. And then, of course, there are those employees who have to come to the workplace. And those employees who have to come to the workplace, I think we have to have a discussion with them. And we need to say to them, you're an essential part of the workplace and make it a positive discussion, not a negative one to say, we really need you here. We actually can't, unfortunately, um, accommodate you in a remote manner because you're an essential part of the workplace. So you make them feel empowered and you make them feel wanted. And these are psychological issues that need to be dealt with and possibly training um, needs to be provided to these managers um, in order to assist with these kinds of discussions. The other thing that's important is to maybe discuss with these employees um, upskilling them and training them and saying, well, at this point, your skills and qualifications are such that you can't work remotely, you have to work in the office. But perhaps let's discuss what are your career aspirations? What do you want to be um, in the future, perhaps? What do you want to look at, at studying, for example? And these are things that you can try and assist your employees with and perhaps have, um, have you know, programs where you provide employees with a certain amount of financial assistance for studying and so on. So you empower them and those kinds of things create a positive workplace. I know for myself, for example, last year during the July unrest, we're an international firm and we had colleagues from all over the world emailing us, phoning us saying, how are you guys doing? Is there anything we can do to help? This is what we're doing to help. And those kinds of things, making you feel part of a bigger organization, are, are the things that really matter. Mm -hmm. And also what's very important for employees is to be proud of the organization they work for. And in fact, those emails and telephone calls that we all received from our colleagues overseas made, certainly made me feel proud to be, to be an employee of this, of this firm because I felt that there was care, there was empathy, there was concern. We were considered human beings, not just um, lawyers who 
to, mm. to charge billable hours. And I think that that's what's really important is that you have this empathy and you have all these conversations all the time with your employees. Mm -hmm. Jackie, just in closing, you know, we've seen that mental health has seriously become a priority for many, particularly young professionals. They're not willing to compromise this aspect in any working environment. What about the lockdown at the height of the COVID pandemic had created that shift because we saw many, even on social media, if a job is not uh, is toxic, rather, they walk away. Whatever the plan is, you have a lot of young people that have decided that mental health has now become too much of a priority. So what was it about the lockdown that led to this shift? Absolutely. So obviously the lockdown, um, I think for a lot of um, employees, was created a sense of isolation um, and a sense that they're not part of a team. And that would particularly affect the younger workers in the workplace because um, it's quite important, and I found this when I was a youngster, um, to have constant interaction with those in more senior positions because you often learn by way essentially of osmosis. You sit there and you listen to your superior um, addressing a client or whatever it is and you learn how to do it through them. You don't necessarily learn as well um, when you're behind a computer screen because even though we can have Teams meetings and we can all have our cameras on and everything, you know, there are other aspects of it such as, you know, body language and things like that that can become difficult to ascertain in those kinds of environments. So um, I think that that's why employees decided that that was very important to them. And I think that's where the hybrid working model is going to come in. I think this decision that everyone must work remotely is probably not going to work for the younger employees. And again, um, things like diversity and inclusion are particularly important amongst the youth. Um, issues around discrimination, racial discrimination, gender discrimination, of course, gender pay has been a huge issue for a long time. Um, the LGBTQ community, um, discussions around that is very important. So. I would say to employers as a takeaway, create these committees, diversity and inclusion committees, create a mental health um, uh, committee where you make sure that people check in with your employees from time to time, um, create opportunities for training, create opportunities for people um, to upskill themselves. Um, and I was having a discussion with one of the partners in the firm about, um, about this particular issue and about um, you know whether or not um, it's something that um, we should look at as a firm. And um, it was. And what was interesting was that he talked about the fact that employees that leave an organization, they leave an organization not because they presented with an opportunity necessarily. Of course, you have people that are, that are headhunted, but generally it's them looking for the opportunity. And the question is, why are they looking for the opportunity? They're looking for the opportunity because they're not 100% fulfilled. And I think what's very important uh, is for employers to look at their employees, particularly those with scarce skills, um, those who can demand um, higher pay and so on, and, and look at the soft skill issues and try and assist those employees and change the workplace in order to accommodate those people so that you don't, um, so that they don't leave. Because also the cost, of employees leaving your organization in large numbers is significant. I think the PwC survey said it's something like 48 billion rand a year that employers suffer as a result of employees leaving because then you have to recruit more people, uh, time, manage, time um, of managers comes into play where they have to interview new people. You have to make sure that those people also um, don't 
um, have problems um, with previous employers or anything like that, so all the background checks and everything. And then, of course, um, and as I discussed in the article on the Code of, of Harassment, is that when you're recruiting employees, you've got to make sure that they understand about harassment and bullying in the workplace, which is, which is what creates a toxic workplace. So you yeah. don't want to bring in employees who can create a toxic workplace. So there are a number of issues that you need to look at. Um, and it's better to keep your employees on that you've invested time and money in than constantly recruiting. So it's definitely something that employers need to look at. And as we've seen, um, particularly in the US, I think the US has got a staggering number of people that have resigned in the last couple of years, something like 40 or 50 percent. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it comes down to flexibility, autonomy, respect by your managers, the way they treat you, the way they speak to you, the way they consider your circumstances, all of those things. Um, have become important because the pandemic has made people realize what's important and um, mm. that the softer issues are more important now. Mm -hmm. Jackie, thank you very much for your insights. That was employment lawyer Jackie Reed. I just believe it. There's nothing to it. I believe I can fly. In a perfect world, no one outruns or flies away from accountability, not even the pop singer R. Kelly, who on Wednesday was sentenced to 30 years in federal prison on charges he moved underage girls across state lines for sex. Kelly's victims say they never thought they'd see the day. I was an up-and-coming singer. I was a girl full of life, um, very innocent but very driven and um, preyed upon basically at the mall in Aventura, Florida and promised just a mentorship and quickly turned into, I would just say, a sex slave. Kelly had been accused for more than 30 years of preying on teenagers, using their dreams of stardom to physically, sexually and mentally abuse them. He illegally married the singer Aaliyah in 1994 when she was 15 years old. The marriage was annulled. Kelly's 2002 trial on child pornography charges ended six years later with an acquittal. But in 2017, prosecutors started taking women's accusations more seriously, thanks in part to the documentary Surviving R. Kelly. Can you describe the physical abuse? God, I can't take another day. I can't do this anymore. In 2019, Kelly was arrested in the current case. His defense team says it's appealing. So, I mean, all I can tell you is there was no enterprise. There was no enterprise. It was one man with allegations by a number of women, which doesn't make it an enterprise. And that is why he's not guilty of, of, of racketeering. Kelly's victims say they're counting on the courts to make things right. I started this journey 30 years ago. I was 14 years old when I encountered Robert Sylvester Kelly. There wasn't a day in my life up until this moment that I actually believed that the judicial system would come through for black and brown girls. I stand here very proud of my judicial system, very proud of my fellow survivors, and very pleased with the outcome. R. Kelly's legal problems are far from over. In August, he will go on trial in Illinois on similar charges. Rosalind Jordan, Al Jazeera.
my children will not come to school on Monday with a mask on. All right. That's not happening. And I will bring every single gun loaded and ready to I, I will call every that's three minutes. You can come past your time. It's a policy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll see you all on Monday. What's love? Love is what happens when imbalances find equilibrium. You know, the lost are found, life meets death. Love is a nebula of chaotic beauty that's held together by endless possibilities. Mama was the embodiment of those endless possibilities in human form. A bipedal heterotrophic mammal who taught us all how to be heterotrophic autotrophs, which is a bit paradoxical in nature, but it makes poetic sense. <laughs> now Mama embodies those endless possibilities in her authentic form as a cosmic entity that guides us all through an energy we can only comprehend as love. We love you, Mama. And thank you. Thank you for everything. Oh,